Good evening, Patriots. And it's Sunday, August 13th, through the end of it anyway. Hope you had a good weekend. Just kind of chilled out. Hope you took some time with Jesus, walking around and enjoying the outside, which is where it should be. I don't think we get outside enough. I think that's one thing we, in this, I'm not saying everybody, but as a culture, we definitely don't. We spend way too much time behind the screens and we don't get outside and enjoy where God really is. And he's not inside the walls. I mean, we put him there, but he lives in the world. I think that's a big thing for us to think about as we're kind of doing our thing in the world. Patriots, before we get going tonight, one thing that um, we need to be aware of, and if you didn't hear, (laughs) I mean, it's just more psychopathic stuff all the time. There was an explosion in Pittsburgh today in the middle of a residential neighborhood. I guess one or two people are dead. Apparently, two or th- one house or two or three houses blew up, and they're all related to certain people in the government, which is no surprising. But my point is that we got psychopaths everywhere. So you never know what they're going to be up to. Don't take any chances. You're going to want to offset your risk from whether it's lightning storms or EMPs or solar flares. So head on over to EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com. Check out the fantastic products there to safeguard your home, your vehicles, your RVs, your ATVs, your 
solar systems, your base generators, your, it's your ham radio base station, all these things. They've got the, the, the EMP shield for that, easy to install, well certified. It's been tested in all the best labs to the highest standards. That would be DOD and DHS. So head on over to EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. That gets you $50 off. And with that, then you're going to be able to get free shipping. And right now, site-wide is an additional 10% off as they extend the Freedom Day sale into August. So that's fantastic. So EMPShield.com, promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, best promo code on the web, $50 off on a unit. And then you have from that... You have free shipping and an additional 10% off right now with everything going on. So there you go. Check it out. It's good. Matthew 18.56 or 5.26. Whoever receives and welcomes one child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble and sin by leading him away from my teaching... It would be better for him to have a heavy millstone as large as one turned by a donkey hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's the AMP version of that, which I think has the most descriptions of everything. I've had some interesting conversations this weekend, and it's really kind of, we, we keep trying to find the culprits of things. And at the same time, keep wondering, I hear a lot of what's, you know, where do we focus, even in terms of Operation Vineyard. And there's really no, there is not a singular action, but there should be a singular focus. And the singular focus should be that all things should be focused on, our, on rescuing, healing, and restoring our children. And that has so many layers to it when we start to unpack that. And that also means that we have to fix ourselves problem we have right now is that there's so many things going on. People are feeling pretty unstable, unsettled, and yet we shouldn't. But I, there's kind of two camps of people. There are those that are truly walking very solid with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. And I, I think for the most part, people are looking pretty solid. And then I have other people that I know that are trying to dual hat the world. And what I mean by that is that on one hand, they're trying to commit to something that's marginally or partially biblical in nature, but on the other hand, they're trying to keep one foot in the old system, and you, it can't work that way. Now, I know that's easy to say, especially when someone says, well, I have a job or I have a business, but you can have a job and a business and still put all into the ring with God. I just think that people struggle with that because they don't believe truly in their heart, in their hearts. I don't think they believe that God is part of all things. And so it's like business becomes your own thing. You're, and then you have all these, you know, dealings and negotiations and the doing of the work and there's that. And then there's, especially when you get a bigger business where people start to get, de to get detached from the actual work itself. And I've, I've walked both paths. I know exactly how this goes. I mean, you start to grow a business, and then pretty soon all you're doing is selling the business, meaning selling for work, getting your meeting people, shaking hands, coming up with ideas, figuring out who you're going to hire for the next project. And when we get into that sort of insane circle, 
we're not doing God's work anymore, at least not much of it. And everything really is centered around us representing a company. And, and I bring that up because I don't know of any story in the Bible where the characters of the Bible that are working for God aren't doing the bidding of God. And that's the problem with the current world that we're in so much is that we're getting detached so much from the actual doing. And whether it's that you're doing a support task for what the company actually does or whether you're doing busy work because you work for an, an agency or a government or whether people are running their own business but they're no longer running their business. They're trying to get employees so they don't have to do the work. That's a strange motivation and it's real, what I just said is that somehow we've developed the concept that as we raise up in, in our ranks, in, in whether it's in management or whether it's in business ownership, that the goal is to not have to do the work that we did to start the business anymore. And it's, it's a pretty phenomenal thing when you think about it. God gave us gifts to start something, and then we try to assi- ascend to a place where we don't have to do those anymore, and we have somebody else do them for us. Kind of bizarre, isn't it? And that's a lot of what's happening even in our country. I want to play a piece here by Greg Reese. And it's pretty amazing. It's not that long. And it's focused on what he calls the 545 versus 300 million. And there's a great deal of wisdom here in what I'm getting at. Believe it or not, there's 545 people essentially that we need to change to change this entire nation. 545, that's it. And if we were to replace 545 people with the moral discipline and integrity and the strength of kingdom in them, this country would literally transform in months, if, if not sooner. But because we don't have 545 strong people, instead we have 545 people that are more interested in being the managers and not doing the work or being offered whatever they're offered, Let me just let the piece play. We'll talk about it here in a second. In 1984, Charlie Reese of the Orlando Sentinel wrote the following, still true today. 100 senators, 435 congressmen, one president, and nine Supreme Court justices equates to 545 human beings out of 300 million who are directly, legally, morally, and individually responsible for the domestic problems that plague this country. I excluded the members of the Federal Reserve Board because that problem was created by Congress. In 1913, Congress delegated its constitutional duty to provide a sound currency to a federally chartered but private central bank. I excluded all the special interests and lobbyists for a sound reason. They have no legal authority. They have no ability to coerce a senator, a congressman, or a president to do one cotton-picking thing. I don't care if they offer a politician $1 million in cash. The politician has the power to accept or reject it. No matter what the lobbyist promises, it is the legislator's responsibility to determine how he votes. Those 545 human beings spend much of their energy convincing you that what they did is not their fault. They cooperate in this common con regardless of party. It seems inconceivable to me 
that a nation of 300 million cannot replace 545 people who stand convicted by present facts of incompetence and irresponsibility. I can't think of a single domestic problem that is not traceable directly to those 545 people. When you fully grasp the plain truth that 545 people exercise the power of the federal government, then it must follow that what exists is what they want to exist. If the tax code is unfair, it's because they want it unfair. If the budget is in the red, it's because they want it in the red. If the Army and Marines are in Iraq and Afghanistan, it's because they want them in Iraq and Afghanistan. If they do not receive Social Security, but are on an elite retirement plan not available to the people, it's because they want it that way. There are no insoluble government problems. Do not let these 545 people shift the blame to bureaucrats whom they hire and whose jobs they can abolish, to lobbyists whose gifts and advice they can reject, to regulators to whom they give the power to regulate and from whom they can take this power. Above all, do not let them con you into the belief that there exists disembodied mystical forces like the economy, inflation, or politics that prevent them from doing what they take an oath to do. Those 545 people, and they alone, are responsible. They and they alone have the power. They and they alone should be held accountable by the people who are their bosses provided the voters have the gumption to manage their employees. Reading from Charlie Reese and reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. It's pretty profound when you think about it. And we've spent a lot of time trying to identify the enemy. And yet, it's right before us the whole time. The fanfare and the circuses that we're put through, the shows, none of it's productive, we know it. We keep coming up with excuses of things like, well, you know, they're trying to wake the normies. Let's get real. There's 545 people in this government that control the laws. And just like I said, Charlie Reese wrote that. He's dead on. We don't have to worry about the banksters of the world. We don't have to worry about the Federal Reserve. We don't have to worry about the IRS, the BATF. You don't have to worry about the CIA. You don't have to worry about the FBI. You have to worry about 545 people. But it's going to take a unique breed, a unique type of person to be able to accomplish the task that sits ahead. I want to share with you something tonight. I noticed that I got tonight from somebody that I know. His name is Cameron Hamilton. And um, he's a husband, a father of three children. He's a Navy SEAL combat veteran. And he's in a former division director of Homeland Security. Cameron is one of a number of people that come from the special operations community that are being called, literally, I've talked to Cameron, we've prayed together. He's being called by God to step into the arena of politics. Cameron is running in this District 7 of Virginia, just north of Richmond, to include Fredericksburg. 
Now, why do I bring this up? Because really what our country is missing is the moral character. Cameron is a strong believer in Jesus. And when, and I tell you, when we first met and he said to me, he said, my, my first duty is to serve the kingdom. I was, you can't tell me, you can't tell you what that felt like hearing that from a special operator because you don't hear that that often. We are a country right now that can be fixed. And I think one of the narratives that we have to decide is for ourselves is what do we want? I spent a lot of time this weekend going over this. And I've shared some various stories that have come to me and some insights that God has provided for me. I spent the, week, the rest of the, my rest of my weekend after we did our prayer yesterday, I spent it up at the property, set up some, some new targets, did some shooting, did some hunting around for coyotes, which I didn't find yet, but I'm going to find them. Just did the things that we need to be doing and really focusing on things the way that Americans need to focus on them. I prayed a lot, talked to God a lot this morning, in fact. My heart was just hurting for what was happening in Maui and the suffering that they're going through and the withholding of supplies now that FEMA's doing to them, all because of this cabal, a nasty, nasty cabal that is out here to try to force these people ultimately off the land. And that's ultimately what we're dealing with here. And it's a, it's a type of war that they have the technologies and they have the capacities and capabilities and the mindset to do whatever is needed to be done to try to damage people's lives. And worst of all the, is that they enjoy it. And I had a lot of prayers this morning with God about this. And my prayers included things like, when is it going to be time to pick up the sword of steel and deal with this problem? And as I reflected a lot on this, really what God was ended up showing me and reminding me is that we're not even close to that yet. That we're eager, but we're forgetting that his time is not our time. And we're not ready yet. Because there's still so many out here that believe in the narratives of lies. Still so many out here that are trying to find hope in somebody else fixing it for them. There's still so many out here that don't even look to put their eyes on him. And God isn't interested in just crushing everybody. There's something here that he wants to do. He is not done with this nation. And that means that for the most part, for those that are in that matrix, they're going to go through a pretty rough time. But I also am pretty clear coming out of this week in prayer that if we're sitting strong with him, we're going to be just fine. It's not going to be easy to witness. And it doesn't mean our life will be easy, but we're going to be just fine. But there's going to be some real challenges as there needs to be. And I don't know what that looks like. I, mean, I didn't get that sort of insight from Father this weekend. But I got a pretty settling, well, I wouldn't call it a rebuke, but a very clear message. It's your role is to heal. And that comes on the heels of what we do every Saturday. And it's funny as I thought about that and I kind of reflected, it's like, why, why is it that when we pray and we pray for healing, 
And if this isn't you, then don't take this on. It's like one of these things, the shoe fits, wear it. If not, then, you know, I don't need to hear all this. I don't need it. I didn't think that way. I'm telling you a testimony right now. And the thing is that I'm asking myself is, and I told God, I said, I'm not one that's going to just easily just wash this thing over and go, okay, we're all good. We all accepted Jesus and we're all going to sing Kumbaya. I said, you didn't make me that way. You made me as a warrior. And I've got a warrior heart. And the question that ends up coming out of this is, okay, as a warrior, if I was studying traditional Japanese samurai warrior, one of the greatest crafts that I would learn as a warrior would be the art of healing. This is true. So why is it in the modern sense that as a warrior, and I'm guilty of this, that the first compulsion that we think of is a sort of steel, not the sort of healing? That's a metaphor. Obviously, it's not specifically biblical. And it struck me as how, once again, the programming of our world has become so deep. We define war in terms of a certain way. We define civil war in terms of a certain way. We define all of these things are built in our head by the images that we're given. I would be interested to talk to somebody I, it would be interesting to be able to talk to somebody prior to World War I and ask them what their image of war was like. And my guess is that prior to World War I, if you had talked about what their images of war was like, it probably would have been brother killing brother because the closest reference would have been the Civil War. And I don't think you would have even heard much discussion about race because the damage that came out of the Civil War was truly death within family ranks. And then I would ask them what healing would look like. And it would be something like forgiveness because families had to come together after brother killed brother. It's a pretty phenomenal thought when you think about it. And here we are today, struggling with a divide over a shot. And and again, it's a form of civil war. And we're angry, but we don't even know who we're angry at most of the time. And we're frustrated because we can see the evidence. I'll just, take a, I'll just take this Maui incident. We can see the evidence. I can tell you pretty much with a certain measure of certainty, probably 80% to 90% certainty of what happened in Maui. They seeded. They did their cloud chemtrail seeding crap again. They likely pumped in a ton of magnesium into the air. They intentionally have let the electrical lines dangle into the overbrush to let the overbrush grow over them. They've removed 2,000 acres or more of sugarcane, which was a, more of a native crop, and they've gone to growing these wild grasses that are not native to Hawaii. They've imbalanced the ecosystem. And so once that chemtrail seeding went, the air gets massively crisp and almost electric. It has a high level of, of static electricity in it. And at some point they surge the meters 
They'll tell you they don't, but you can tell by the footprint that something's going on. Probably surged all the smart meters, and then they used directed energy weapons. A combination of events that created a firestorm that burned out people's lives. And we can point to the culprits by saying deep state. They're deep state. But we can't put a face on it. We may want to put a face like Bill Gates or put on a face like Fochi if you really want to because we know it's not related, but it makes you feel good. We could talk about names like Rothschilds and Rockefellers, but they're all nebulous. But what God reminded me is this is supposed to be a government by and for the people. And so I go back to Cameron Hamilton. He's an example of somebody who's stepping in. This God is calling him. And it's interesting because I've given a word to somebody recently who was working in D.C. And it was related to this. I mean, it now becomes related to what Cameron Hamilton is doing. But the word that I told this person, and they're listening, I said, you need to leave D.C. And I said, because there's a change coming. And it's going to be significant. And the people that God is calling are going to have flawless and immovable moral character. They are uncorruptible. And the types of people that we're starting to see step up, we only need 545 to change this nation. And when we think about that, and we think about these are the sorts of people that believe in accountability, these are the supports of support. These are the types of people that believe in a small government. They believe in the power of the people. This is what they fought and spent their lives doing in the most dangerous parts of the world. And now I can share these. I mean, in a sense, I've had these conversations and tell you, this is a difficult call for these guys. But as they step in, they're realizing that this is the new domain of warfare, that they are built as a warrior. And that goes back to my point, as I say to God, What's going on? I mean, when do we use the sword of steel? And ultimately, the question is, again, why do you seek the sword of steel when you have the sword of the Spirit to heal? It's that metaphor I've talked about before that is so profound. Peter and Jesus. And that moment that happens there is truly telling the sword of the spirit is that of the mortal world, and Peter stays the attack by cutting off the ear and never rebuking him, yet Jesus picks up the ear and he heals the ear and changes the soul of another. It's pretty profound. And it was a fairly humbling point because what we accomplish on our Saturday morning prayer is profound. It's truly miracle-level things that are happening. This last weekend, if you didn't hear the story, there was a father that was in, in the hospital, immobile and dying. They weren't sure if he was going to get. He was declining. He was he couldn't move. We prayed the next by the next week he was home and fine. Part of the problem we have right now is we're dealing with a magnitude of spiritual warfare that is beyond anything we've ever imagined, and it's everywhere. And if you aren't framed in the life that we are truly in that place of principalities beyond our reach, that is 
Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, the importance of the armor, the deeper meaning of all of that, then we don't appreciate truly what the greater war is here. But the war is always towards the same thing. The war is to destroy us at its core. And the government has been seized because these people that have gone up there have had worthless moral characters, even if they claim they they stand on the Bible, they lie, most of them, if not all of them. They've never had to be in a life-threatening situation where their buddy on their left and their buddy on their right relies on them doing a, a perfect job, not just a good job, but a perfect execution of drill and duty. And so these people become managers of the affairs that benefit them the most. They're the worst type of representatives we could ever have. That's what we currently have as occupiers. And then they do the thing of always sliding. Everything slides off of them like Teflon. Why don't you change the SCS class? Well, the SCS class is untouchable. We have a union to deal with. No, you have the right to do law. The union doesn't matter. Well, but the union will take us to court. That's why we have judges to uphold the law. If Congress changes the law, the unions have no choice. And then they'll give you a diatribe of garbage that just tells you about this excuse and that excuse. It's like teachers' unions. I mean, let's get real. The way this war was waged ultimately over the last 50 years, since the 60s, they went after and through the education system. And they've used education to slowly move the meter of America that was a solid, strong world leader to making it a weak, soy-eating, spineless, skinny gene nation. And it's all come through education. And and what we lacked here was the intestinal fortitude and strength of good leadership in our 545 that were supposed to keep the ship on course. Now, that's not... There's a massive amount of accountability for the American public. But in a bit of fairness to the American public, the point of putting representatives in office by the will of the people is they are supposed to represent the will of the people and, most importantly, Congress. I mean, every single person up there in, in our government that is elected is supposed to work from a principle that says, here's what my constituents want that I will represent. However, of what my constituents want, these items are outside the boundaries of the Constitution and therefore they can't have them because that's not how our country is drafted. But within the boundaries of the Constitution, I'll represent my constituents, and that would be a House of Representative member, and a senator is going to represent the interests of the state which is going to be an aggregate or supposed to be an aggregate of the views of the people in the state. In principle, the system works just fine. But the one part of this entire system is that at the core is the demand for moral integrity and to have the strength of, a, of the character that a warrior needs in this fight. And right now, what's happened is we have had essentially Satan and his minions take up a stronghold in our capital. And so it's going to take an army of the most refined that have been tested in the true sense of battle and blood 
to stand up now and not be corruptible in the face of the enemy. And this enemy is vicious. You see, you have to have people that understand what, how to deal with threat because this is a type of enemy that will tell you, if you don't do this, we'll kill your family. And what we need are people that will stand up and say, you say that to me again, I'm going to kill your family and everybody that you've ever known in return. So, touche. And then you need a community of people that will stand around them that will say, yep, and we back that. And I know this sounds vicious, but the fact of the matter is that's, that's the cage match that's going to be, have to have up in D.C. if we're going to do this with anything less than pitchforks and fire and a bloody civil war. Because the people that are up there right now manage to control the minds of many. The only reason we don't have God in schools is because Congress didn't allow it. The Congress approved getting it out. And whether they say they, it was the court decision or it was somebody's court challenge, it's irrelevant. Congress didn't pass the law to ensure that, that God stayed in our schools. Congress did not work together to pass the laws to ensure that God stayed in our government. They allowed it and they condoned it to be moved, removed. These 545 people, these people are the ones that have steered this nation to the pit. So when we say, who's your enemy? You don't need to worry about the Rothschilds, the Council of Nine, the Council of 300. You don't have to worry about the tears up the pyramid. You don't have to worry about who the great eye is, Mordor, Satan, whatever, the all-seeing eye. You have to worry about 545 people that in a normal system, we would have the right to vote in and vote out. Which then, as we take this whole thing down to the root of what is truly the biggest element of change, the most vulnerable node in this entire system, it's voting. It's our vote. That's what they control, and that's what they are fighting not to let us have back. Every time we speak to God, he hears us and honors us. But somewhere in this process, in a country that was put God on the throne, and when we are to be subordinate to him and government subordinate to the people, they inserted a system, which ironically, or not ironically, I should say, they called dominion, which was to take dominion over our lives, our vote, our choice, our free will. And that was inserted between us and our relationship with God. That we didn't realize that, that's what they had done. So imagine a people that votes through their prayers that they give to God, which isn't exactly right, but that's we're just going to use this for the example. And dominion is the mechanism by which we vote. And dominion then steals the vote that we have and changes it. And it becomes a dominion of them, not a dominion of man over evil. They hijacked the entire thing. So, the principle of all of this is that there are people being called and they're overcoming even odds. I mean, we could, they can say we're not going to get elected because of the rigged system. It doesn't matter. 
Cameron Hamilton. There's others like him that are saying, I've prayed on it. God wants me to do it. This is how we move. And they're executing the call against all odds. And even in choices of having to make difficult decisions about finances and family. Every single one of us has to answer the call that way. And no matter who you are, I guarantee you God is putting a call on your heart right now. And every single one of us needs to do that call. It doesn't matter if that call is baking bread. It doesn't matter if that call is to run for the library position. It doesn't matter whether that call is to become the trash trash collector in the city. Because at the end of the day, the one thing that God is doing is mobilizing to accomplish one primary goal in all of this. And it's not you. It's not me. Arguably, it's not even us. It's to protect, rescue, heal, and restore the children. And when we get that one right in everything we focus, then we start to understand the greater fight. You see, what's happened in D.C. is nobody gives, excuse my statement, but I'm going to say it boldly, no one gives a shit about our kids. And no one cares anything about these children. Because if they did, this entire nation and those 545 would be different people. But no one cares up in D.C. about the kids. They might tell you they do. They might pass some sort of Family Care Act. They'll give you some sort of tax benefit. They don't care. Because if they did, there wouldn't be anything such as transgender surgeries in this nation. Because that would be an obvious moral violation. Churches that put up a LGBTQ banner would lose their 501c3 status and be taxed for back taxes for the next for the previous 500 years. This game would end if you had people that had the moral integrity to stand perfectly upon that place of protecting and defending the children. And ultimately, that's the single pin that everything pivots on. Everything. Because it defines the moral integrity of a nation. We are a nation right now that cannot find its way back until all of us step in, one, and do the bidding that God asks, and two, we start getting back to the fundamentals of what it makes, makes a great nation. We are a nation that casts away our elderly, and it's a nation that anxiously awaits the day that our children be turn three, four, or five so we can start sending them to daycare or sending them to school to get them out of the house. We outsource our parenting, and we outsource our responsibilities of taking care of our parents. That's the pro- profile of the United States right now. And in the meantime, we keep spinning up those abortion clinics and we keep passing state measures to ensure that children can be raped, can have abortions, and can be sexually mutilated. We call that transition surgery, I believe.
And the body of parenting out here right now, even the good parents, there's not enough voice to stop it. There's a timidness. There's an acceptance. There's something. And I, I can't fathom it. And then when you get to a point where suddenly, and we've had a number of these cases where one parent's going to force the child to convert and the other parent says no, I, I don't even understand this, except we know that this isn't of men. This is of a demonic ascent, demonic sense. And all that comes down to doing the work that needs to be done to change this nation. So there is the physical part, which is politics, and it's going to take an incredible moral integrity. And there is the other part of the spiritual sense that's going to take a foundation of people that are so in pursuit of Jesus and so on fire with Christ that they're so well equipped to deal with this sort of fight that they are fearless in this fight and they stand in protection of people like Cameron Hamilton and they stand in protection of every child, and they intercede on behalf of parents that are trying to destroy their children, and we do it with the sword of the Spirit to heal. And that call of the warrior is a kingdom warrior. Because to get there, you have to understand a few things. You better be grounded in Scripture and always getting better. You need to have a full formation of common law. And you have to have a root, solid foothold on deliverance. And then buckle up. Because now you need to take those authorities and walk right into the realms of the demons and you've got to start shaking them out and casting them out and you have to start setting down the parameters so that we can start taking back this nation. And every person that is set free will ultimately arrive at Christ. I guarantee it. Set ourselves free, keep ourselves free, help others to be set free. And once we do that, as you have people taking on the 545, which is critical from the sense of the legal system of the states, and you have an army of people out here on the ground, which frankly, I think that would be like Bard's Nation, out here on the ground, bringing the deliverance to the people and saving the people and doing truly God's bidding. That takes courage. It's going to take a warrior heart. This nation could literally spin on a dime. And it reminds me again of what God was showing me. You don't need the sword of steel, at least not yet. I think we can honestly say that in the situation that we're in right now, at the pivotal moment we are, it isn't that there isn't going to be violence or there isn't violence because there's both. But the predominant amount of the work that is ahead of us is the most dangerous and most difficult, and it's all based on the sword of the Spirit, not the sword of steel. Because we are dealing with principalities and realms beyond our reach. We are dealing with a demonic realm that is vicious and has no rules. It is a place where literally it is trying to come at us every which way. But the good news is, that as we walk solidly in Christ and anchor ourselves solidly on the footing of Christ and keep focused what is before us, the primary commission that every human being in God's kingdom should have, which is to protect, 
first of all, and then to rescue, heal, and restore the children, there's nothing that the demonic world can throw at you that you can't overcome. Because you're wielding the sword of spirit, you're walking with Jesus, and you're in alignment with Father God. So we are in a place where there's many that feel frustrated. There's many asking what to do. There's many that are out here wandering in the land of the zombies. And so it doesn't take thousands, though that would be nice. We only know that it takes only a few where two or more are gathered. But most importantly, what it takes is that laser focus that absolute laser focus and the intent and focus of a warrior heart. Fearless, righteous, absolutely uncompromising. Morally rock solid because your feet are on the rock of faith. Having an indomitable faith in God that no matter what comes at you, no matter what is threatened to you, there is never a compromise with anything with kingdom business. And as you step forward in that way, with that sort of solidness, even if you have children in the family, and because I, I hear this a lot, like what happens if they come after my children or family? My answer, if you're doing kingdom business, there's only one way you go. You go where God points. That's it. No matter the cost, that is, there's only one way to walk and only one direction to go. And the mission if we're leaning into it, that he's guiding us to do is what he intends for us to do and needs us to accomplish. No matter the obstacle, no matter what fears we conjure up, it's there. So come full circle on this. Children are the point here. They're the point of everything that we do. This nation has thrown itself so far off base because at the core of the greatest gift that we've been given, we forget the importance of nurturing the seeds that God gives us to nurture, the children that come to this world. Sure, we worry about our immediate family, but as a, as a nation, and nations will be judged, we have allowed and continue to allow things like abortion. We watch people like in Ohio, vote in, vote down a measure that would have protected them from, from constitutional changes, and now they face one of the most radical attacks against their children they've ever imagined, and it's coming in November. In Oregon, trying to take away every bit of right to raise meat, to shut down every industry of hunting and raising animals for a bunch of freaks that want to eat bugs and vegetables, and ultimately it's about weakening the children. Everything comes to that point. And so that righteous fire has to stand. 
And sure, you have to be willing to draw the red line at some point in your life to know where those lines are that absolutely under no circumstances will you cross. And you have to take that to the throne and say, God, this is how I see life and this is where I will not cross. And he might soften your heart. He might give you different avenues. At that moment in time, you might arrive and God will say, no, I don't want you to pull the trigger. I want you to step aside and let this happen. That might be. But you can't live a life being weak. And you can't live a life trying to step away from a fight or finding a soft way or giving yourself an excuse or patting yourself so that the impact will be less. When you step into kingdom, it's all in. And when you walk in that path right now, no matter what it is, there is going to be a group of people that emerge out of this that are going to be all in, regardless of cost. Knowing very well that there can be massive threats even to family, to friends, It is the step you have to make to decide whether you're going to be truly, truly in this fight, all for God and all for Jesus. And when you make that step and commitment, something amazing will happen and you will discover if you haven't already. Your fear will go away. There is no anxiety that you can't overcome immediately. You are laser focused and listening to where God wants you to go. Doors open that you never thought possible. And you are sent on a mission. And all the resources you need are provided. And it all comes from an unrelenting, uncorruptible faith. That's a decision that every single person right now has to make to go to the next level. There's someone in our chat that says it every night, no lukewarm. And that's the truth. No lukewarm. The step that we are making, and this will reflect in what we do in Bards Fest in coming up, it will reflect in everything that we do in Operation Vineyard. That step is not a step of casualness. It's a step of all in. And when you step all in and you're listening to God, buckle up. And the ride's going to be wild It's going to be incredible. It's going to be challenging at some times, but you will be part of the greatest moment in your life and moments that you will ever have. That's for sure. Let's pray. Father, we're just very blessed as we come here tonight, humbled and reflective on this walk that we're in. It's a very important time in our lives to make decisions and commitments to the level that we're willing to walk in kingdom business and commit ourselves truly to the body of Christ. We have become a very soft culture. Committing ourselves to Christ too often just talks about the fact that I can speak the scriptures or I can sit in the pew and I can pray well or I'm dutiful every Sunday because I go to church. But we know very well that if we're going to walk into this next level, it has to be the fervor of the apostles. It has to be that intensity of knowing that everything you do, you're pursuing deeper and greater in the love of Jesus. And that everything is into that. There isn't a breath you take that isn't trying to seek the alignment of Christ. There isn't a step you take that isn't directed by your hand in the obedience that we give you. There isn't anything that we do that we are not abiding in the directions and wisdom in which you place on our heart. 
all things through you, all things through Jesus to you, Father. And when we do this, we are truly all in. So, Father, this prayer tonight is the sifting of hearts. It's not about separating one from the other, but to provide clarity for where one sits right now. And just pray that each one can have, each person listening can have an honesty in their heart to know truly where they are in that place. Some will not be on that front line, and that's okay. But right now, we need a sifting of sorts. And this is the prayer tonight, Father, to provide a sifting, a clarity in the heart, the the magnitude of clarity in each heart. Where do you sit in that place in this fight? Like every fight, there's those that are behind the lines and there's those that are on the point of the spear. And right now, Father, we're praying to, to identify those roles. Will people be in the support of this or will they be on the point of the spear? And as they bring, we bring that clarity, people's purpose becomes better defined. So, Father, this prayer as well is to define purpose and intent for each person. And with that, a settling and focus into the heart that's like a laser They will literally be so hyper-focused on the steps that you need us to take that with this, the body of Christ rises to a magnificent and incredible song and hymn echoing across the world and leaving the enemy weeping and on its knees. Let our hearts sing together, Father. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. All right, patriots. I think it's an important time to really be clear where each of us is walking. That's for you to decide, take to prayer. But we are in a different moment right now, and we're in a turning, a critical turning. A lot of intensity, but it can be an intensity of joy, but there has to be a focus. When you, when you shoot, shooting a pistol, the way I was trained, and trained by very good people. Your eyes are always focused on the front sight post. You don't worry about the target, and you don't worry about the rear. You just have to get everything lined up, but you're laser focused on that front sight post. When your vision shifts from the rear to the front sight post, or your vision shifts from the front sight post to the front target, you'll find suddenly you're not hitting like you were. But when you're laser focused on that front post and it's all framed up and then you're just breathing and letting the trigger pull every time surprise you, you hear that ring of steel, ding, ding, ding. We need an army right now that has that precision and that focus. And this is a time that it's not just us here. It's across this nation and this world. This enemy isn't going to give up easily. They burned people off the island of Maui to take some land, to try to set up a smart city that's run by artificial intelligence. They are doing everything they can to shake up and produce fear. But what they can't handle are when God's children step up out of the shadows and remind them that we are the children of the Most High. We're here, and we're here to reclaim that which you took and reestablished dominion over this world. 
Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Standing at the edge
great sea. Sometimes it takes all you got to 